Monday mornings just got scarier. Tune in every Monday at 11 a.m. for another episode of Ghost Chronicles Morning Edition with New England's own Van Helsing, Ron Kolick, and his inquisitive travel companion, Lou Blassie, the professor. Hey, that's me. Each week we'll delve into the realm of the supernatural where all that is is not what it appears to be with remarkable guests, spirited conversation, and the occasional voice of the deceased. We'll bring you a whole new meaning to the term dead air. Ghost Chronicles, Mondays at 11 on Eagle Radio 1110. and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Nightmare. Shine, although essential for health and well-being, is certainly a hazard for the skin. For many people, it feels good to spend time outdoors, and this makes it difficult to avoid excessive exposure to the sun. Being in the sun often, over time, even if you don't burn, can lead to skin cancer. A tan is the body's desperate attempt to protect itself from the sun's harmful rays. The sun's rays, which are called ultraviolet A and ultraviolet B, damage your skin. This leads to early wrinkles, skin cancer, and other skin problems. Here are some tips to help protect you against sun-damaged skin and skin cancer. Use sunscreens with a sun protection factor, SP. With us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable, we will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the And good evening, everyone, and welcome to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation, right here on Tojanet, Pararex, uh, where else? Ghost Channel, <laughs> EBC TV. And Planet Paranormal, right? Soon. 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 When you give me your bio, then we'll be Soon. on Planet Paranormal. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, welcome to Ghost Chronicles, and we have a great show for you. Yes, we always, always do. always great. That's right. 
Okay. Except when I'm not here, of course, but that's besides the point. Then they're better. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, um, before we get into the show and, and our guest, you were on vacation, I guess, right? Yes. Which is why we're having this the second Wednesday of the month instead right. of the, the regular Monday yeah, one. Yeah, I kind of messed up the pecking order there. It's never a regular but, Monday, yeah. but that's all right. <laughs> uh, but anyways, so you were on vacation, mm -hmm. and you went into this antique shop. Yes. And you bought a little monkey hat. <laughs> yeah, I bought a monkey hat. <laughs> Which, for those who don't know, is one of those what? It's a fez. A fez. It's a Shriner's fez. You know fez. those... The, the funny, they're like... Uh, monkey hats. Yeah, they're like a little monkey hat. <laughs> um, but they're like burgundy colored and yeah. they have a tassel for mm. those who might not know what a Shriner is. So do you get to drive and, a little car? Uh, yeah. <laughs> do you get to drive a little car? I get to drive a little car. Mm. Um, but no, the Shriners are a great group, but I just happened to stumble across this Fez in an antique store. I'm not really sure, you know, why it was there. It doesn't look like an antique, but... Mm. It's mine now. <laughs> yeah, but there's there's more to the story. There is more to the story. Because why you were in the store? Yes. What happened? Well, uh, I was up in Maine uh, in the uh, Bar Harbor area. I thought you said a bar. bar. <laughs> Probably, if I know you. No, in Bar Harbor, mm -hmm. that area. It's like the, it was Ellsworth, or I'm not exactly sure which town it was in. But it's this fabulous antique shop. It's uh, an old converted barn with a silo, and uh, I had been dying to stop there all week. So I finally got an opportunity to stop by myself, because you know when you're with your family, sometimes you can't do things by yourself. So I'd gone through most of the building and uh, found my little fez, and I got down to the bottom floor and went to, I was just about like in the back left-hand corner, and as soon as I walked into this particular dealer's booth, I was just, the, had that tightness um, and heaviness like in my chest right here. And, you know, breathing was like a little constricted, like, you know, like that. And so I'm not a psychic or anything like that, um, but that's how I felt in this booth. Like I knew there was something in there that was bothering me that I didn't like. So I kind of made myself walk in and came upon this large picture. It's probably, you know, that big. Um, That's good for radio. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's big. about yay big, you radio people. But really, um, probably, uh, I don't know, Go a on. foot across by two feet high. And it was a black and white. It was a painting. But it, it, it was very, very lifelike. And it was just dark, dark black with almost like a silhouette kind of uh, painting of the man in the white. And he just had the most uh, just glaring, cold stare. And that, that was it. <laughs> that, that was what was bothering me. I, I knew right away. And, uh, and then I left because I so was you all think done. So you think it was the painting that... I, that, that was what I thought. That was what I thought. And naturally, I did not take a picture of it. And now I'm kicking myself. You what? But I didn't. I know. It's like the I time mean, I got slimed and never took a sample. I know. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of those moments so, of life. So, so why, that was why don't we ask somebody, my little moment. Why don't we ask somebody a professional's opinion of this? Okay. I think that's a great so idea. So we have with us on the show today, fresh from his appearance on Coast to Coast, is uh, Keith Johnson. 
I didn't know how to introduce you. You forgot his name. No, I know his name. It's Keith. It's either Keith or Carl. I had a 50-50 <laughs> chance, you know. Uh, Keith, of course, is, uh, you were a member of TAPS and, uh, of course, was on the first season or first two seasons? First two seasons. Of yeah. uh, Ghost Hunters. Mm -hmm. And you were the demonologist at the time, right? Yes, my so, brother and I were well, the demonologist. Welcome. Welcome. So Absolutely. you heard Ann's little uh, story here. Mm -hmm. Keith, you, you get anything from that, or what, what's your thoughts on that? About the Shriner hat? <laughs> <laughs> you should have brought it. What do you, you think about cute. that? I know. I can run out to my office and get it if you'd like. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, some things and, and some areas seem to have attachments. And by that, I mean there's some kind of spiritual force lingering. Maybe something happened on the premises or some kind of ritual was conducted or the way certain people lived or maybe a person that had an attachment was there at one time the person may have expired in the area and for some reason that we we're not totally sure why this happens but it somehow gives a spirit a legal right to stay there and be in the area so there are things that can be attached to objects to um non-animate objects and rooms and people too so mm -hmm. all of these can have attachments spiritual attachments mm -hmm. so have you ever run across anything like that yes yes i have uh where a spirit lived, well, I was told a spirit lived in this little Buddha statue, and uh, actually it was a female exorcist, or otherwise they've been used in some kind of worship, or maybe even profane worship, sacrifice. Mm -hmm. That sometimes energizes an object, like a statue or something, and uh, the spirit somehow seems to draw energy from that, uh, from that object, you, like you a battery. Yeah. You know, what's interesting, Carl, is, is when I first started doing this, and, and you know I had no interest in the paranormal when I mm -hmm. started doing it. I was kind of like roped into it, I think. Right. But anyways, uh, when I first started doing it, and I heard about, you know, attachment, how spirits can attach objects and stuff. Right. And to me, I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. It doesn't make any sense. But then I started to think about my faith, which is Catholic faith. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm very much a devout Catholic. I still am. And I started thinking about... Um, you know, what are relics? You know, the, yeah. the Catholics have uh, different relics, first, second, and third degree relics. Uh, you know, first degree is, is actually a piece of you. Could be a whatever. <laughs> so, um, Not a piece of me? Yeah. <laughs> Another one could be something that, that you, you held or, you know, like a piece of, a piece of clothing yeah, or, or something like that. So if, if, if I believe in that as a Catholic, then why shouldn't I believe that, that spirit would attack themselves to an object as well? Oh, yeah. That, that really meant something to it. Right, yeah. exactly. So an object can either be positively charged or negatively charged. Mm -hmm. It can be a holy object or a profane object. But it does, uh, the object does have a certain vibration to it. 
it's energized, it has a certain vibration to it, so like a holy relic. And um, that's why we do, like, well, for example, can I get into some of the tools of the trade there? Absolutely. Yes. Um, a cross. It's a simple cross that uh, this is made out of palms, you know, for, mm -hmm. the, for Palm Sunday. Yep. And the palms are blessed. The palms are blessed. Yep. And, and, of course, when they are burned, the ashes are used for Ash Wednesday. And uh, so this actually carries are holy vibration. No, no, I'm but not you know Catholic, this stuff, but right? I, I do yeah. know this, yes. Right. Yes. So this. So I'll let you know if you're you're wrong. In <laughs> okay, you, you correct me if <laughs> but I you're right on the button. my bounds there. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, they do have uh, holy vibrations on them. Mm -hmm. They are sanctified and blessed, and so that carries that holy vibration or that purity with it. And um, that's one way you can use a certain amount of provocation. Now I. I'm very hesitant about provocation, but provocation is very easy to do when you're in a spiritual atmosphere. But uh, if it is a negative or, or parasitic, unholy spirit, whatever you want to call it, uh, they will be aware that an object like this has a holy or sacred vibration on it, that it's been blessed by a holy person and uh, for a positive, uh, positive means, altruistic. Mm -hmm. So a spirit will tend to shy away from these. Uh, but if it's cornered, like like any sort of creature, it will uh, tend to fight back. So if it's cornered, it's going to react. And that's where you get uh, holy vibrations and uh, sacred objects can affect certain negative spirits and get them to reveal their presence. Now, um, so, on, yeah. on that note, and I know we're going to get into some yeah. of it. Well, actually, I'm going to let you go on. Go on. Go with your other well, stuff. Well, it's, it's the same thing. This is a uh, blessed candle. Yep. Now, of course, it doesn't look unusual. It's it's a white candle, mm -hmm. uh, but it has been blessed. Now, the theory is that when you burn this, it will spread out. The uh, holy vibrations will emanate, kind of purify the air, kind of like blessed incense, mm -hmm. you know, burning a candle. And it uh, we have seen it uh, be very effective in certain situations. Mm -hmm. And uh, even from a psychological standpoint, if somebody's oppressed by negative entities or they're having a disturbance in the house or they just feel uncomfortable themselves, this can have a very good psychological impact too, make them people feel more at ease. And of course, uh, we have the blessed oil, the anointed oil, mm -hmm. and we actually use that in our house blessings. We um, anoint doors and windows for that. And, and of course, you know, somebody could say, well, it's a spirit. If it wanted to get in through a crack in the door, it could. And yes, it well could. But this is more of a symbol. It's a symbol and you're spreading out the holy vibrations, putting it on doors and windows. And that makes kind of a seal there where the spirit will recognize that mm -hmm. and, and hopefully respect that. Um, because we go into these situations very respectfully. We hope that the spirit will react respectfully too, although that's not always the case, of course. And, I mean, you see some of these shows on TV. Yeah. They don't go in very respectable well, in a lot of these yeah. cases. That's, that's one of my... And that kind of irritates me. Yeah, Ron, that's one of my pet peeves when I, you see people doing that because, uh, yeah, it does make for a good show. And it does get reaction a lot of the times. But you think when somebody goes in with this um, over-provocation... Now, sometimes, yes, yeah, sometimes it is warranted. Sometimes you're in a situation where you just get so upset when you see people being oppressed or hurt. But uh, to do it just to get a reaction or to show off, I mean, you have to have a certain amount of respect because what is it you're provoking? Uh, what if that is the lingering sense of somebody that was uh, a loved one or somebody that passed away in that house and you're, in, you're insulting that person's memory? 
by by hurling out these insults and everything. Some somebody that may have had uh, bore children in that house and lived their life in that in that house, um, maybe some of their essence, some of their bi- vibration is still lingering there, and you're insulting that, and that's very hurtful. These are things that sometimes can't defend themselves or answer back, and um, if it is. Uh, say, <clears throat> spirit of perdition, an unholy spirit, well, I think if they could actually see if that was embodied, if they could see what they're talking to, then uh, they wouldn't be, they'd be a little more hesitant to shout out at right. this celestial being mm-hmm. uh, if they knew exactly what they were talking to. Something that has the wisdom of the ages, has been around much longer than us, has a great amount of power, and, and is, as I said, a celestial being. So... Um, I think they'd be a little more hesitant if they knew what they were talking to. And, and do you feel that like some spirits are really like misunderstood in that they actually might be trying to reach out to uh, a homeowner or someone else and, and their attentions might be misunderstood by the living? Oh, yes, yes, because it's very, very difficult for them to communicate with the living. Um, a spirit is just that, a spirit. And the um, cross-root word for spirit, pneuma, is basically air. So they are on a, a spiritual plane. To communicate on our level is very difficult, just like it's difficult for us to communicate on, on their level. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's why, as you well know, uh, a lot of the communication is done through EVP, electronic voice mm-hmm. phenomena. And they are on a certain... Um, some people describe them as being in another dimension. I like to describe them as being on a different frequency, almost like a radio wave. And, that's of course, that's where the spirit, spirit yeah. box comes right. in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are like on a different frequency than us. And they, um, if you can sometimes tune into that, there are certain times, certain hours, certain days that it's easier to tune in than others, just like reception, just like uh, radio reception. Um, I find that uh, when you are... Um, in, in dawn, for example, when daybreak comes, mm-hmm. that the veil seems a lot thinner and it's easier to communicate. I'm not saying everybody should go out and communicate right. because there's <laughs> obviously inherent dangers in that. Okay. But uh, so do you believe, like in a witching hour, that that time period when the the veils, the thinnest between the two, supposedly is is that what you're you, you're kind of getting right. at? Well, the witching hour, of course, being. Um, 12 midnight, the witching hour, and of course the high noon of the demonic is uh, 3, 3.30 uh, a.m. Mm-hmm. And um, there's also a thinness of that veil, so to speak, at twilight and sunrise. When you, um, you can almost feel it, it almost becomes tangible when things start to quiet and things get dark. And then uh, suddenly your your perception changes. You know, we all realize that our perception right. changes as it starts to get dark and things start to get quieter and you start to hear uh, kind of the sounds of night and the night animals. And then at the dawning, when it becomes light and the birds start to chirp and everything, that's a transition too. And it's at these transition points that you can usually hear something or feel something something a little more tangible than usual. I think I'd rather be at that uh, transition point at dawn rather than, you know, 3 a.m. or, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going out with you, Jack. <laughs> I know that for a fact. No, no uh, I know I'm kind of carrying a conversation in, and I do apologize, but I've been dying to talk to That's Keith fine. about some of this stuff. But <laughs> just as he was going to talk about the holy water, uh-huh. he put it down, which kind of, 
like, oh, I had this great question I wanted to ask you because oh, yeah. I've been asked it many times myself. Please, so please uh -huh. do ask away. Yes. So you have, talk yes. about the holy water first. The holy water, of course, that has been blessed. That has been consecrated. Mm -hmm. Just like the Holy Eucharist is, is consecrated, it's a piece of wafer before it's consecrated. Mm -hmm. uh, this is water that has been blessed. It, uh, it looks like regular tap water, uh, but it does have holy vibrations on it. Um, touching it, I would not be able to tell because I am not a sensitive. Mm -hmm. I would not be able to tell if it's blessed or not, but there are certain people and spirits that will know right away if it's been blessed or not. Right. If you remember the scene in The Exorcist, the famous oh, yeah. movie, <laughs> the, the Exorcist, where um, the uh, possessed individual knew that it was, uh, could tell whether it was blessed or not. And of course, in the course of the story, actually pretended that it was burning her. But um, yeah, so uh, this does have the sacred vibrations on it, and we do use it for an altruistic purpose. We would go into houses and bless windows and doors and spray this around mm -hmm. and, and my helpmate Sandra my wife uh, my my other half of course I'm a twin too so mm -hmm. I guess I'm, that's my other third or whatever but <laughs> but uh, Sandra is uh, invaluable to me in this in the work as we call it uh, she's very compassionate very courageous uh, she goes into these houses with me and uh, I've never seen her show fear once um, it's not that she's antagonistic, but no she, do but run she, dude, right? Right, yeah. exactly. No do run dude. Yep, we've had a lot of experiences with that. <laughs> yep, but uh, yeah. So Sandra does assist me in the house blessings and the blessing of people too, and sometimes deliverance as well. Excellent. Uh, so you have your books, and I'm, I want to talk about them, especially the, the first one, where how you first got involved in this, but. I know that, you know, I wrote my book, Ghost Chronicles, with Marvin when it was a medium. And uh, if you've ever read our book, it, there's lots of holy water in it. We bless everything with holy water. We bless equipment. We bless everything mm -hmm. with it. And we took a lot of flack for that, okay? Mm -hmm. And so this is the question that I received many times because of this book and, and because of what we do. So I'm going to give it to you and, and see what your response is. And the question is, okay, uh, you know, I would say I would bless things with holy water. And someone would say, well, that's the most ridiculous thing in the world. Because what if the spirit is Muslim or Jewish or anything and doesn't believe in holy water? Mm -hmm. And what would your response be? I've seen, it's been my personal experiences that spirits will react to these negative or holy vibrations. Uh, despite what the background is, usually you will get a reaction. They will know whether it's uh, been blessed or not. Uh, they know where they're coming from. They know if they're for a parasitic or a negative purpose or they're for a holy purpose. So um, it depends on the kind of reaction you get from the spirit. Of course, you don't always see the reaction. There's, the reaction is not always noticeable. Right. Some spirits tend to be very uh, hidden and uh, you don't see them most of the time. Very rarely do you see spirits uh, with your visual but um, perception. But uh, yeah, um, I think all spirits do have some kind of reaction despite the background. Do you think part of it's because of intent as well? It's your intent that you believe in holy oh, yeah. water works. Definitely, so therefore absolutely, right. absolutely. Uh, you go in there with an altruistic purpose. You go in there with faith, and uh, that that makes all the difference. Mm -hmm. That makes all the difference. And there's even biblical examples of that, of course. And um, yeah, you uh, even if somebody's atheistic, 
Suppose somebody didn't really have right. a firm spiritual belief or no spiritual, no belief at all. Uh, we go into houses where people don't really have that foundation of a spiritual belief, but we advise them if they want to get rid of negativity, just be as positive as possible. You know, that will do a lot to dispel negative vibrations, be, you know, just uplifting, um, you know, have things bright and, uh, all, all to do with the attitude, and that that makes a world of difference. Okay. When you now, when you go in to a house, would you also use the holy water on your own self? Oh yes, mm -hmm. yes, yes. In fact, we do that before before we leave a house, oh. especially you know if there's right. a known haunting there. Um, we try not to take any chances, and so before leaving, we do bless each other with uh, blessed oil and blessed water. And we always uh, say a prayer that nothing negative or unholy mm -hmm. will be allowed to follow us, only that which is angelic, positive, and of the light. We always say something to that effect. And we've been very fortunate so far, by the grace of God, that nothing has followed us. I'm not saying we haven't worked with people that, you know, some people right. have been followed. Right. Um, one mm -hmm. of our members had a, uh, you know, our New Hampshire affiliate, Andrew Graham, he had uh, something follow him from an investigation we did in a house blessing. And his wife had told him, I don't care if you do this, just don't bring anything home. Don't bring anything home. That's all I ask. Well, something did come home. And oh. they, they felt a cat, even though they didn't have a cat, they felt a cat running around the bed. Oh, really? Yeah, oh. they felt it on their legs and everything. Oh. That lasted for only a few days. It won't always last. That was just for a few days say, look, I'm here, I'm here. And then it dissipated. Right. right. But something wow. did follow him. Mm -hmm. So, so Keith, you have written three books now. Yes. And uh, your first one, it, you want to hold that up for us? So yes. The, can we uh, close in on that one? <laughs> Guys, there, there you go. go. There we go. And it is Paranormal Realities, right? Paranormal Realities, yes. Okay. This is the first book in the series. And this kind of talks a little bit about how you get started in it and uh, ghost hunting and demonology, right? Yes, okay. yes, it has my beginning in demonology and in ghost hunting uh, paranormal investigations. Uh, I talk about one of my first experiences. You can put it down. You have to yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, be, that is a commercial. Great, <laughs> that is a great house on the cover. It almost looks like the haunted Victorian, but yes, it does, doesn't it? It's yeah. not the Victorian, but it does bear a resemblance uh -huh. to the haunted Victorian. Where, where do you know? Do you remember where that is? Or I'm I'm not sure where this is because we were actually we're standing in front of a um, an old church or house or something in uh, Lemonster, mm -hmm. Mass, and um, so this that house looked very good too. I thought they would use that as the background, uh -huh. but. Um, they use this, and I'm not exactly sure where it is, but they just oh, well, that in back looks, of us. So it like looks it. fabulous. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. So, anyways, have you always lived in the paranormal growing up? I mean, ex experience. Well, as a yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. Uh, I grew up believing in spirits. I was raised in a Christian household, mm -hmm. so naturally, I believed in angels and demons from a very, very young age. I didn't necessarily want to experience the demons, but uh, yeah. Yeah, from a very young age, yeah, and we had thing. some activity in our house. And it wasn't an old creepy house. It was a ranch house that was built for our family. So it was new when we moved into it. Oh, wow. Now, there was a very historic old house next to it where my grandfather lived. It's just possible, you know, something in the territory or on the grounds may have been affecting that. But uh, 
I know some people did play with a Ouija board at the other house, which a lot of people do. Mm -hmm. you know, it's a parlor game mm -hmm. over the years. But, uh, yes, I experienced things. My brother and my sister and I experienced things from a very young age. And um, nothing really terrifying. Uh, my mother was drinking a glass of water on a summer night, and she got a little choked up. She started drinking it, and all of a sudden, just saw the water just vaporize. <laughs> Really? And it made that sound, too. That sound it made. Oh, my God. You know, you, you heard a sound. I saw it. I remember seeing it bubbling up. My brother and I were about five years old at the time. Yeah. And we thought, wow, that is so neat. That is so neat. <laughs> you know, that is neat. I don't think yeah, mine I've been, I've been all drinking when I've seen oh, it happen. Stop it. Yes. Stop no. it. Yes, I guzzled down that water. Yeah, that's that's right. Thinking, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, we call that a thirsty ghost, of course. <laughs> so that's wow. that was your your first experience. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And, and then I would hear voices outside the window, not knowing what. Then, of course, my mom said, "That's just your imagination, just your imagination." And I said, "I was awake. I heard it." But, um, mm -hmm. Of course, when I was a teenager and started happening again, then no, I had, had no doubt. No. But uh, I was ten years old, and I was in a house in Little Compton, an abandoned house. It's just something you did in those more innocent times right. You um, in the 60s. You know, you're coming back from the beach, and there's this house that nobody lives in. Let's walk through it. My mother would, oh, yeah. you know, do little clippings from the garden, and uh, we call it the haunted house because it's, it was in great condition, but it looked like a, you know, typical haunted house. Neglected. Stereotype, yes. Yeah. And um, so I went upstairs, and come on, Keith, we got to leave. My mother's beeping the horn, and I just want to take one more walk through it. I felt this compulsion to look into a room down the end of the hallway. Mm -hmm. So I looked into it, and there's this rocking chair oh. going like this, this fast. Ah. So, so I just looked for a second. Then I, I was out of there so fast, you know, <laughs> down the stairs and everything, and my little shorts. <laughs> and of course, nobody believed me when I hyperventilating in the car. Nobody believed me. But uh, I guess you could say that was my first paranormal investigation. Ah. You're I mean, right. with all, all the all the equipment we uh, use on investigations that you're familiar with um, and all the hours we spend, what I would give, and I was just 10 years old, what I would give to just walk into a house and just be able to see that and to record it. Right. right. You know, I don't think it would have happened if I had a movie camera with me or something like that. Of course, that. no, it no. never does. No. Nope. Nope. That's, that, <laughs> that's the interesting thing about nowadays. If you don't have it on film, it didn't happen. Right. And right, exactly. Sometimes exactly. if you even, even if you have it on film, it film, it film no one believes it anyway. So, some of the, so, you know. some of the uh, most fantastic things I've experienced have been when you had no uh, camera going, no recorders going, right. and everything. And I often wondered, gee, if I did take out a camera, what would it have happened if I was recording it? What would it have happened? Because they kind of second-guess you. You can't second-guess them, you know, so. Oh, we have, a, we have a question, oh. chat room question. Uh, question from Ceiling Cat. Does one particular type of buildings or structure or material add to or enhance haunting? Yes, and that would be, um, I'll point out an example, Slater Mill, Pawtucket, mm -hmm. Rhode Island. Uh, the mineral content in the stone buildings and uh, the stone structures, they, there's quartz, mica, uh, tr minute traces of gold, and uh, of course, you know, we, uh, the crystal, the crystal, and in our, our watches sometimes, mm -hmm. the crystal, we call that the Pizer effect. And uh, it's, well, Richard Felix, you remember Richard Felix in Stone England? Oh, yes. Tape yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, um, he goes as far as to say that some structures are, are just like recording devices because of the stone structure in them. 
And that's where, um, you know, there's the theory that spirits can manipulate that. Or even if, if it's residual, if it's just a playback, mm -hmm. it's because of the mineral content. And, of course, Slater Mill is right by the Blackstone River, and the mineral content in the rushing water causes some current. So uh, I think that's why old buildings sometimes and old stone structures, which is why in England they have so many of these old buildings where you get these residuals that playback spirits. Mm. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. I know Richard's theory very well. Um, there's also. <laughs> Do you a, agree with it? <laughs> I think it's possible. I mean, yeah. it's it's nothing we can really prove. I mean, we can theorize about it, but we can't really prove it. Otherwise, we can't re yeah. reproduce the situation where we can. Otherwise, we can't take a a clump of minerals and then. Uh, you know, say, okay, we're going to have a ghost. No, we, we can't reproduce it. That's yeah. the thing. We can't reproduce it yeah. in the laboratory, um, maybe to a certain extent, but uh, that's a long way in coming. Yeah. I, I often have wondered to myself, though, in the Bible, when uh, Jesus on uh, Palm Sunday, when mm -hmm. he rides into the uh, city, when he's uh, criticized by the Pharisees, they say, uh, tell your people to stop this noise. And he s says to them, if they were to stop the very rocks, would speak and shout. Well, I wonder how literal that could have been. Mm. You know, ah. I There's wondered. actually a lot of cool stuff in the Bible that, you know, we always kind of like poo-poo over. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, you know, the, for instance, mediums. We always talk about mediums. Right. And, and one of the things they always get asked, well, if the ghost is German, how come you can understand them, right? Mm -hmm. But then we, we look at, like, the, the uh, when... when um, Jesus was addressing the crowds, and they were from all over parts yeah, from the right. world, yet yeah. they all understood him. Right. So, right. I mean, why couldn't that energy, that spirit energy that we have, be the same? That's true. Also, so, like on Pentecost Sunday, yeah. mm -hmm. when uh, they spoke and uh, people thought they were drunk, no, it's only 9 o'clock in the morning, mm -hmm. but uh, everybody understood in their own language, and uh, it's like the universal translator on Star Trek. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. That's what we need. <laughs> right. We, that would come in handy. <laughs> that would be good. So, yeah, there's also, of course, if you go with the stone tape theory, there's also the, the water theory as well, yeah, where right. water also can record mm -hmm. energy as well. In fact, I think NASA is has been playing with that. And, of course, that Japanese scientist, who I'll never be able to pronounce his name, <laughs> uh, you, know, so, you know, if you, you do talk nicely to water, then you can, it produces uh, positive energy versus, like, if you swear at it. And I thought that was plants. I had to, oh, talk, yeah. <laughs> I had to talk to the water? Well, yeah, it, they actually, yeah. I'll have to go into that another time. We'll save that for another show. Okay. But speaking about right. plants, I mean, I actually, uh, what most people don't know is back in the 70s, I actually uh, manufactured and sold a device called the Plant Talker, which oh, really? was a biofeedback device for plants. And uh -huh. we sold this to educational uh, institutions. It was pretty cool. You could connect it up to the leaves <laughs> of the plant, and yeah. the plant would react to, for instance, if you blew smoke into it, it would react. If people, certain people walking in, if it didn't like, plant didn't like you, it would. <laughs> oh, yeah, because it, it, it turned the, 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 um, the rhythm into uh, an audible sound. Oh. So you could actually, it would almost sound like scream. It was a pretty cool thing. That, that's amazing. That's, I've never yeah. heard of that. It's pretty it was bizarre. in Playboy magazine. Um, so that was that show, Ron Cole at the Science Guy, right? Yeah, not quite. <laughs> <laughs>
you know, I, the, the funny part is I never had uh, experiences growing up about ghosts. I mean, uh -huh. I was never even interested in them until I had a near-death experience, and then oh, that's okay. how it kind of all started. But anyways, we're here to talk about you, not me. Right. So um, you have two other books. Oh, wait a minute. We, we talked mm -hmm. about... Now, how did you... You're a little kid running through a house, but right. how did you get from that to working, for instance, with TAPS before well, they even had a TV show? Okay, <laughs> well, what, what happened? Oh, they have a question? Oh, oh we do have a question. Ah. Oh, my goodness. A question from Zombicatus? <laughs> Zombicatus? Better you than me. Do you feel that buildings that get investigated a lot lose their energy, or do you think that the constant investigations build the energy up? Or does it change it, too? Yeah. That's another question. Yeah, I, I think it kind of does have an effect on it. I think it changes it. Um, I think, like, for me, going in the uh, buildings at Slater Mill, I rarely ever experience anything myself. Uh, once in a while, if I have a tape recorder with me, I've experienced things. But uh, I think the more recognition you give, and depending on the type of spirit, the more you're feeding it energy, you're feeding it curiosity, you're giving it attention, just like a child. You give it attention and it's going to react. Uh, so yeah, sometimes the more uh, somebody investigates the house, the more uh, energy will be brought in, the more it will react to that. It's interesting too because the, the Houghton Mansion, or Houghton Mansion, whatever you want to say it, Houghton. Uh, whatever, in North Adams, right? We were the first one to investigate that years and years ago. And I've been there many, many times. And you can actually feel how the energy has become different because it's open it's been mm -hmm. opened up to paranormal investigations mm -hmm. right. many 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 mm -hmm. times mm -hmm. oh yeah, yeah and and so I, I almost believe that people bring their own energy to it and that's that's a good point Ron. very good point in fact the um well I'll, I'll get back into this more later on but the uh first major home that i investigated in home investigation when i was still a teenager that my brother and i investigated um the feeling then was palpable you can almost cut it with a knife. Mm -hmm. uh, the same location, you go in there now, it's very, very different. It's just like, you know, any older home that uh, you go in, a nice couple there, and uh, very totally different because different people live there. Ah, yeah. Good. Right. All right. So let's go back uh, your, your book, Paranormal Realities. You, yes. You talk a little bit about how you got involved in from just as a kid. Now you're doing it right. as an organized group. So right. how, how did that all come about? Okay. Well, um, my brother and I attended a lecture. Of course, when this is back in the uh, early 70s, of oh, course, God, yeah. and uh, you were going out looking for uh, supernatural, uh, paranormal phenomena. They called it psychic back then, looking for a psychic phenomena. And um, so the basic consensus was, you know, you people are crazy. <laughs> you know, but. Uh, no. But it wasn't as accepted. I mean, they had TV shows about it then, but it wasn't really as accepted actually doing it. Mm -hmm. But my brother and I attended a lecture by Ed and Lorraine Warren oh, there you go. Yeah, mm -hmm. at Rhode Island College. And uh, that's basically what, hey, maybe we're not so crazy after all. These people <laughs> go all over the world investigating haunted sites, and they even get into the demonology aspect because, as you know, Ed Warren uh, was a recognized demonologist mm -hmm. by the Catholic Church. And we attended that lecture. Uh, my brother and I, my brother actually got called up on stage. Oh, geez. Because, I mean, he was doing a lot, a lot more experimenting with the uh, phenomenon than I was. Mm -hmm. And 
So Ed asked, is anybody involved in the occult or anybody uh, really, really had experiences? And my brother raises his, come down here, young man. And I go, oh, no, here we go. You know? But um, that's how we met Ed and Lorraine. And it was that night we were approached by the organization who had hired the Warrens to come to Rhode Island College. Oh, it was wow. called Parapsychological Investigation and Research Organization. Oh, my God. Pyro. 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 Yes, right. <laughs> we weren't pyromaniacs, but, <laughs> but um, we were wow. invited to come to uh, some meetings and give some talks. And that's how we joined. We were invited to join. So mm -hmm. at uh, 17, my brother Carl and I joined our first actual investigation group, nice. legitimate ex, uh, wow. you know, group like that. Mm -hmm. So there actually was the, the only one on campus at Rhode Island College, and most people didn't even know about it. But uh, yeah. we joined Pyro, and that's <laughs> how we became involved in our first major case. And how we became involved in our first in-home case was uh, this is before the internet, of course. Oh God! Yeah. So way, way before the military had it, but we didn't. So I put an ad. I thought it was pretty well designed. I drew borders on it, made it artistic, archaic writing, and um, gave it to a local newspaper publication and said that we do investigations of things that are not explained, free of charge. I thought it'd just be laughed at or ignored, but I thought it was worth a try. Well, three weeks later, a woman from Harrisville, Rhode Island, contacted us. Her name was Carolyn Perrin. She had recently, uh, a few years before, moved into a house that she said was infested by spirits, and you had to be there to believe it. Uh, things, anything that was going on there, um, it had started out kind of fun. The children were seeing spirits. They thought they were real people. That's how real they looked to the children. Wow. Um, but then it started picking on her, harassing her. She mm -hmm. started being targeted. Uh, anything from uh, she would just come out of the shower into what they called the warm room. A coat hanger leapt off the rack and started banging her on the head. And talk <laughs> about being made to feel welcome in your own home. It was an 18th century home and uh, very, very old. And then one day she was cutting an orange and all of a sudden blood started oozing, just pouring out of it onto her toes. And she just practically passed out. Uh, she was she felt that something really didn't want her there. She was being targeted, and this had been going on for a few years. So oh she came gosh. to us. Yeah, as, as, years. Yes. Yep. A few years. Oh. So uh, let me interrupt. Yeah. It, Perron, is that the one that was in the, the news? Conjuring, the Conjuring. The Conjuring. Yes. Oh, that's right. Yep. yep. Right. That's that's the. Oh, wow. So you guys did it way before anybody <laughs> else did. Yes, we were the first ones on the scene. Oh my God. We were wow. the first ones on the scene. Wow. And um, she, of course, when she told us her story, she said. So do you think I'm crazy? You know, looked at us very hopefully, and I said, absolutely not. We're going to do our best to help you, Mrs. Perrin. And she, she smiled. First time I saw her smile, and she felt this surge of relief that somebody believed her. So we came and we investigated the house, and um, I'll make it brief. We went in, and uh, it was like a force field. And that's the house I mentioned, that it's totally different today, of course. Mm -hmm. But it was like a force field on that property. We went into the barn where allegedly uh, the um, legend was that somebody had hanged themselves in that barn. And you could just feel this palpable energy in the house. The children grabbed onto my wrist. There was five daughters, and the younger oh. daughters wanted to, they wanted to give me a tour of the property. They took me upstairs. They said how frightened they were. Meanwhile, my brother had been... Uh, on his way to use the bathroom down the hallway, all of a sudden he sees this uh, dark gray vaporous cloud coming towards him. He, he didn't know what to do. You know, should I run? Should I hold my ground? So he just stood there. 
and it kind of came up to him. And this was at sunset, like I said, when mm -hmm. it's just getting dark. And he put his hand out and touched it. It was electric. He felt this tingling uh -huh. sensation, and it just vaporized. That's interesting. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So the children took me in the room. They told me how scared they were. There's um, not all the spirits in there were bad, but there was one that was really um, tormenting their mother and making them afraid. So um, I asked, well, what, what religion are you? Do, you? do you ever go to church? Oh, yes, we're, we're Catholic. And uh, so I said, well, try calling upon the name of Jesus. As soon as I said that, everything just, bam, you know, a window slams shut like that. Ah. It was a window that could not be, op be closed because it was uh, such humidity. Yeah. It just slammed shut. Uh, one of the girls got slapped on the side of her head. It was actually the left side she got slapped on, which is significant. Mm -hmm. When it's a demonic spirit, they usually come in from the left side. And she mm -hmm. practically knocked off the bed. They're screaming and crying. And But the worst thing, I think, was the atmosphere. It's just like somebody turned on an electric switch and you felt this drawing from your chest. You just felt it drawing. You felt sick and nauseous. Wow. But I was a teenager, but I was the closest thing to an adult in the room. Mm -hmm. So uh, I just kept calling upon the name of Jesus and it left the room. Mm-hmm didn't leave the house, but it did leave the room. Mm -hmm. And they looked around, it's gone, it's gone. And so they gave me a group hug and a kiss and nah. they came downstairs, <laughs> oh, it's, it's better, Keith helped us, you know. But um, we spent some time there that night reassuring. And uh, our next meeting, I, uh, I suggested, maybe we should think about calling Ed and Lorraine Warren in on this because this is really, really heavy and they deal with this type of uh, malevolent haunting. Meanwhile, um, it was uh, less than a week after our initial visit. Carolyn, it was just breaking dawn, just starting to get light. She woke up and she felt something was not right in the room. And uh, she looked over and something's fizzling on her dresser. She just saw like sparks or something on her dresser. And she smelled this terrible scent of decay. Ew. She turns around and there's this woman standing over her bed. Oh, my God. You couldn't really see the face. Just basically you could see the shadow of eyes and some teeth. But otherwise, it looked like a, a desiccated hornet's nest oh. it was described. <laughs> nice. And instead of uh, hands, she had cracked bones. And she was wearing like 18th century clothes, with a little, uh, you know, apron and a gray dress with ruffles. Mm -hmm. And the strange thing is her neck was like broken the head was hanging on Ew. one side and oh. it started saying this chant to her this uh, incredible chant um i'll drive you mad with fiery brooms i'll drive you mad with death and gloom i'll drive you out but twill be too late for you'll be dead twas mistress here once twill be mistress again and i mean carolyn's she's trying to scream but she can't nothing oh. will come out she's banging her husband roger roger doesn't move but um then it just uh vaporized, just disappeared. Finally, wow. Roger woke up, but he had gouges on his back from top to bottom, bleeding profusely. So she was very frightened that morning. Oh, no, so um, I'm leaving. Our, right. <laughs> our chairperson, Donna Neufeld, uh, she got a call from Carolyn. Carolyn said, I can't take this anymore. I mean, I'm a tough Georgia farm woman. I've grown up with uh, horrendous things, but this is beyond me. I don't right. know what I'm going to do described to Donna what happened. So uh, Donna Neufeld, who was, of course, our case manager and our chairperson, she told Carolyn, as soon as I get off the phone, I'm calling the Warrens, calling mm -hmm. Ed and Lorraine Warren. They're friends of ours. They've had a lot of experience. And she did call them. That's how Ed and Lorraine became involved in that case. Wow. So they actually investigated before we even had Yes. Uh, we, you know, our team called that's them amazing. in. Yep. Donna had given them a call, and they came, that's how they became involved in the case to investigate.
So, I mean, you, how did you get so involved into the demonology aspect versus just yeah. the investigating part? Well, I had always felt that um, I felt like a calling to do this. Mm -hmm. I mean, calling sounds you know, very. I, I'm not saying that. No, I, I believe was, in that yeah. stuff. Callings yeah. and that you. Yeah, I just yeah. felt I was being led to that. I was being led to that, right. and I prayed about it. How can I possibly help people in this, these situations? And that's around the time we met Ed and Lorraine, and mm -hmm. this this case happened. And uh, of course, things like that are few and far between. It wasn't until years later that my brother and I got called into a possession case. We got called into a possession case, and you know, one thing led to another, and it seemed that. Uh, we just kept hearing about and meeting people that were so oppressed. We found out this is much more um, common. Yeah, there's, yeah, it's it's people were going, and of course they sought us out because of our knowledge about this. Not that we're experts. I mean, mm -hmm. there are no experts in this field, but uh, people were calling. Well, you've had the experience, and the more you right. get it, the more experience you, know, we're more you have. We're not experts, but we're experienced. Right. You know, and then of course I met my lovely wife Sandra. We met mm -hmm. actually in theater, not on an investigation. We mm -hmm. met doing theater, and um, she had an interest in the paranormal, but uh, had never really gone on an investigation or actually sought it out. She used to watch the TV programs, and uh, one day, uh, I, of course, I had joined TAPS, the Atlantic Paranormal Society. This small group with uh, just uh, several members, little little website at the time, you know, mm -hmm. but I. I found out that I was living in Warwick at the time when Sandra and I were first married, and I found out that Jason Hawes, the founder, lived in Warwick too. So of course I contacted him, and he was like, "Where have you guys been all my life?" <laughs> so Carl and I joined Taps and uh, the Atlantic Paranormal Society. I had been doing a house blessing, and I came with Taps. I came back. I was listening to the recording for uh, EVPs, and Sandra's in the other room listening to it. All of a sudden, she comes out and says. I'm living with the exorcist <laughs> because she hears me doing the prayers and everything right. and the, uh, um, you know, rebuttals and things. But uh, she eventually uh, developed quite an interest and joined me in the work, as we say. Mm -hmm. And, um, of course, John Zappas, one of my colleagues, because he's uh, Ed Warren's blood nephew. Right. So we became okay. friends. Okay. And um, so Sandra became a very quick study and started joining me. It was like she'd been doing it all her life. And so I think she was called to, too. Interestingly, Sandra had had, since she's not up here speaking with me, I'll talk, <laughs> speak for her. But um, she had had an experience when she was very young. She was about 19 years old. And a family member came into the room and saw this uh, gigantic uh, shadow person standing over her. Oh. And now she wasn't aware of it. In fact, the family member didn't tell her till, till a few days later because he didn't want to scare her too much. <laughs> but... Uh, um, Sandra theorized because spirits do not necessarily live in the same time frame as we do. They do not see, see timers. They actually knew that she was going to get involved in the work. So maybe that's why she had this uh, appearance. Wow. Oh. We do have another question. Oh, we do. We have time to yeah, get we there. Do. Uh, we have another question from Stealing Cat uh, who would like to know, do you think that skeptics can be haunted or have spirits drawn to them and have you ever met a uh, convert mm -hmm. oh yes absolutely absolutely um unfortunately when something happens to them they're usually the first person out of the room no but i you know it's 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 understandable how people can be and you should be skeptical you should be uh, primarily skeptical and yeah. uh some people have had never had these experiences and um you know we're not going to say well we'll pull a genie out of the bottle you believe in the gin you know <laughs> yeah. here it is but uh it, it's um but some people uh, never believed in it. 
um, uh, Carolyn's husband, Roger, total skeptic, never believed in it. She herself was not a, that strong a believer in spirit. She didn't really have a spiritual belief until she moved into that house. Wow. And of course, mm -hmm. that changed them both. It's a crash life. course. Mm -hmm. Wow. Exact crash course is right. Yeah. Wow. You know, ever since I started doing it, I mean, I always got involved in protection. To me, that was very huge. And, you know, one thing I always did was the... Uh, St. Michael's Prayer. That oh, yes. Always, yeah. That was always a good one. We always mm -hmm. would say that before. Um, it's funny. I've got my own little collection, but these were all, like, given to me from certain people that mm -hmm. in my life that I didn't even know, but they wanted me to have them. And uh, to me, they, they're, you know, oh, his, this is a cool one. Uh, Maureen gave me this. is a hematite cross, okay? And I've uh -huh. had it blessed. I had it blessed. And it has a clasp on the end of it, you know, so... It broke. So I brought it to uh, Circles of Wisdom in uh, Andover to have it fixed because there was a girl there. And I wore this every time I went on an investigation or anything that I did. And uh, she went and she picked up and she said, oh, I don't want to touch that. That's really evil. There's evil all over it. There's negative energy in it. Wow. So uh, she, she wouldn't touch it. Anyways. But... I actually almost could see how that could happen. Is if I'm using this as protection, the energy, the negative energy, instead of going towards me, might be absorbed into the crystals of the the hematite. Oh, crystals, yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. I mean, that, that made kind of a sense in a way. Mm -hmm. I mean, of course, I cleansed it, had it reblessed, and, and everything right. else. But uh, you know, and you know, things even like. My big ass cross. Which <laughs> is it that, that the official name of it? I, I, I do call it that, and I and I and I say that in in not disrespect at all, because yeah. the wide knows I love them. Uh, but it's even. Do you see? It has the uh, skull and crossbone on it. Oh, see. can you see that? Oh yes. And people say, why does a cross have the skull and crossbone on it? Mm -hmm. It's actually. Um, it, that goes to, and I cannot say the name, uh, the hill where Christ was crucified. Calvary? It, that's, everybody says Calvary, but it was Gol Golgotha. Golgotha is yeah. the uh, place of the skull. Place mm -hmm. of because skull. the hill actually oh. does right. resemble a human skull. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. So that, that's beautiful. It, yeah. And uh, it, this actually um, uh, was used to protect some pieces from the Amityville Horror House. Amityville Horror? Yeah, yeah. Oh. Really? Was yeah. It? Wow. Uh, wow. At a thing I was doing. But, uh, oh. you know, I have other stuff I do. But just that, that whole point of all that stuff that I have is that I really, really believe in, in protection. And, and you, you know, we don't know what we're dealing with. There right. are so many spirits. Right. Yeah. And uh, if you go on Facebook and some of these other things, and wow, we're running out of time. Well, you're a great guest. Thank you. Um, <laughs> But you'll see all these people will come up there and they're ghost hunters, amateur ghost hunters, or whatever they want to call yeah. themselves. I don't think there's any professionals, but no, some I, people get paid well, very but, well, but, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, what would you say? So, anyways, uh, they'll be, you know, they'll, they'll say, oh, I took something home with me, or, or they, you know, they'll get scratched or anything, and they're scared. What would you tell those people? I mean... I mean, you you work with spirit. Right. I mean, Keith. what? Keith, sorry. I'm very used to it. Don't worry. Yeah. I'm very used to it. I answer to both. Kyle <laughs> must be thinking of us. Yeah. <laughs> so, Keith, what would you tell those people? I mean, should they, should they be afraid or, or? You know, if if you have, as in it says in the Bible, if you have faith, even faith as as a grain of mustard seed, you don't need to be afraid. 
you can have, yes, these things are very terrifying. They uh, do hurt people. They can and do hurt people. Um, but faith can do wonders. And I think nobody needs to be afraid. There is help out there. And with faith, there's always somebody you can contact. And so the help is out there. Just do any kind of Google search and you see how much is. That wasn't right. true when I started out, obviously. Right. Mm-hmm. Obviously, few well, and far between. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that's the thing. When you started out, there weren't that many people involved in demonologists. Now it's a chick thing to do. Yeah, I right. mean, everybody wants to be a demonologist. Right. It's like, oh, yeah. And, and that, that's that scares point. me. Yeah. That really scares right. me. It does. Yeah. I, I don't, I, I always say this, I don't have a plaque on my wall that says I am certified by the Vatican mm-hmm. to <laughs> register demonologist. And, yeah. No, it's just, it's to, that's a term. It's a term that just, uh, you know, has been used. And um, it's I became the TAPS demonologist. My brother and I became TAPS demonologist. And it was just a title to show what we specialize in. Right. You know, it doesn't mean I'm registered. It just means I have a certain amount right. of study and experience mm-hmm. in this. And, of course, I always believe a demonologist should be an angelologist because, you know, That's pretty true. much the opposite yeah. side of the coin. Yeah. We should probably... Um do you have a website um, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, we that people, that yeah. they need to contact yes. you? Yes, nearparanormal.com, www.nearparanormal.com. Okay. It's been down the past couple of days because I was on coast to coast, and then, you know, of course, so many oh, hits, it, it just oh, overloads wow. it. Yeah. Crash it but yeah. Right. Very, very huge listening audience. But okay. uh, got Paranormal Realities. Get the books up. Yes. Yep. Paranormal Realities 2. And uh, this cover design is by uh, Lisa Dualaby's husband, Raymond oh, that's Dualaby. Cool. That's wow. actually their daughter there. Oh, oh wow. I know it, but that's a daughter looking very ghostly. In front, in front of, of a, a cemetery. Real, that's yeah. a mausoleum door. Which I was actually broken into one time. Really? Mm-hmm. That, that's, that yeah. uh, mausoleum was broken into one time and they pulled the body out or something. Somebody did. But, okay. uh, oh, and uh, Paranormal Realities 3. And awesome. this, this cover is uh, beautiful. It's designed by one of our team members, Janine Culkin. Nice. Very good. And of course, we have Nathan Mayer, mm-hmm. our yes. near team members. Yes. And, um, and our audience every yes. month. Yes. Right, right there in the audience, the studio audience. <laughs> so lovely the, lovely the studio song. audience here. We did here. get the rap cue, so uh, we do need to wrap up. And uh, we uh, thank you very much, Keith. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. You know, we, we'd love to have you on uh, the radio show, not the that one you can do at home. You wouldn't have to drive 6,000 mm-hmm. miles to get to. Uh, but <laughs> I'd like to continue this conversation. Yeah, definitely. It's very definitely. interesting. We're just, just with getting you. started. Yeah, and um, so we want to thank you so much. We do thank you. And we just um, we want to end the show this evening um, with a little tribute to our crew member, Emily Miller, um, who we love and miss very much.